When you touch a hot metal plate, you feel pain. Let's take this example to understand the process of pain. Receptors are nerve cells that specialize in picking up different kinds of signals like heat, cold, stretch, pressure, and so on. Receptors called nociceptors specialize in picking up data related to what could be dangerous to our physical body. Nociceptors are present in the skin and virtually all organs except for the brain. They send impulses, electrical currents. If the metal plate you touched is too hot, the signal is strong. And if it is not so hot, the signals are weak. These signals are sent to the spinal cord through nerves. The nerves of the spinal cord carry these impulses to the brain. Every square centimeter of the skin is said to contain around 200 nociceptors, but only 15 receptors for pressure, 6 for cold, and 1 for warmth. So the body clearly gives utmost importance to its protection and safety above everything else. These receptors connect to the nerves of the spinal cord through two kinds of nerves. Some connect through nerves which have a coating called myelin that makes them fast conductors of electrical impulses. We feel a sharp pain when we accidentally touch the hot plate. This is a quick reaction that saves our finger from getting burnt. The impulse is passed on through myelinated nerves. After a little while, a dull sensation of the burn stays for a few minutes or hours depending on the intensity of the burn. These impulses are communicated via another type of nerves which don't have the coating of myelin and so the electrical signal travels slowly to the brain. This circuit is responsible for the persistent dull ache we feel for a while after the episode till the inflammation is there. It helps you care for the injured part. So we can see that the body signals danger and then it signals trauma and when both are over the signals stop. This is our experience of physical pain. But wait, a lot happens before we can feel pain because first the brain needs to know that this event has occurred. A signal is sent to a set of spinal nerves and it is their job to relay the signal to the brain. And not one, but two signals are sent along two different pathways to different centers in the brain. One signal goes to the thalamus and the other to the brainstem. Our brain can broadly be seen as having three areas. One is the forebrain, the cerebral cortex, the walnut-shaped part which human beings are generously gifted with. This processes all information and executes commands. It directs different parts of our body to perform different actions. The second can be called the midbrain. The midbrain has a region called the thalamus 
which acts as a relay of the brain. It receives various sensory signals from all parts of the body and it sends them to the appropriate parts of the cerebral cortex for processing. When we touch the hot plate, one set of signals from the nociceptors, the pain receptors, goes directly to the thalamus and from there to a part of our cerebral cortex called the somatosensory cortex, where all sensations of the body are processed. This pathway helps us realize where the event has occurred, which part of our body has touched the hot plate and therefore needs our attention. While this is happening, at the same time, another set of nerves carry a similar signal to an area called reticular formations in the third area of our brain, the hindbrain. And this has a region called the brainstem which connects the brain and the spinal cord. This part of the brain is responsible for the emotional aspect of our response to the hot plate. It can filter out or hype up the signal before the nerves take them to the thalamus, hypothalamus, and then to the cortex. So both these signals reach the cerebrum. The decision for an appropriate response is generated in the brain, which then sends its own motor signal to make us jerk our hands out of the plate. If the plate is a little hot, the number of signals or beeps the nociceptors sent to the spinal nerves are less. If it is dangerously hot, it beeps at a high rate, sending a more noisy alarm signal. We think that we felt the pain the very instant that we touched the hot plate, but it is not so. Now let's say this has happened with a young mother who has had a rough week at office and her two-year-old baby has also been running a high fever for the last few days. She has a severe deadline to meet the following day. A tough boss and rivals in the company are breathing down her neck. She has her annual appraisal coming up in two weeks and she has to say no to an important assignment. She had come to the kitchen to prepare a feed for the baby. She was moving around in an absent-minded way, worrying about the jam she felt she was in. Touching the hot plate by mistake, she startles at the intense heat. She breaks down and weeps. In a different scenario, two decades later, her daughter's scholarship has just come through and she is so happy for her little one. Her friends have come to celebrate and she has just come to the kitchen to make some tea. In her excitement, she touches the hot plate and just pulls her hand back, hardly noticing the sensation. In scenario two, her response was just normal, enough to protect her from danger of getting burnt. How then did an emotional component get added in scenario one? We just saw that not one but two signals are sent to the brain and pathway two passes through the brainstem. Here it picks up emotion. 
Why have we been given this capacity to add an emotional angle to our response? A lion doesn't quietly hunt for its prey. It roars. The roar adds to the power of its presence. It's a vital part of its survival drive. We do the same when arguing a case. We don't just say the facts. We add impact through our body language, voice, gestures. We evoke fear in our prospective buyers to close a deal, to sell, to influence. But the mothers break down and cry in her kitchen. Why does this happen? The nociceptors around where she touched the hot plate pick up signals. The spinal nerves relay them to the brain. The brain stem, the thalamus relay it to the relevant area of the cerebral cortex. None of these parts of the brain know anything by themselves. They are just doing a particular type of data processing, which they are specialized in. The brainstem processes and attaches the emotional color, but it doesn't know which emotion to add. This is where the mind steps in. It's the mind that gives directions to the brain. And so if we have to change that reaction, we have to change our directions to the brain. That night, the lady spoke for hours to Dr. Frankel. He kept her engaged and she spoke into the early hours of dawn. She must have wept, expressed all her feelings without inhibitions. But in the absence of any physical experience like touching the hot plate, why is there pain at all in her? It seems that we have recruited neural circuits that are meant to protect us from physical danger into the processes of our mind. What the mother did in scenario one and did not do in scenario two, why have we done that? Research confirms that pain is just meant to be an alarm signal which forces us to get out of harm's way. But we have started feeling pain even when there is no danger to our safety. This is already a mental disorder which can anytime, anywhere, and for anyone turn to mental illness and from there take on serious forms. The approach of yoga is to arrest it there. The Yoga Sutras say, Heyam dukham managatam. Let's avoid the pain to come. Well-known pain specialist, Lorimer Mosley, a great researcher, formerly at the Oxford University and now Professor of Clinical Neurosciences and Foundation Chair in Physiotherapy, University of South Australia, speaks of an instance where he was bitten by a poisonous snake while hiking in a forest. He felt a prick in his leg. He ignored it, thinking he had stepped on a sharp twig. He says he felt no pain. So he took a dip in a lake and in around half an hour, he had passed out. He had to be rushed to the hospital. It could have been fatal. 
Many years later, it happened again. But this time, he says, he experienced a shooting pain that immobilized his leg. He fell off the track. He couldn't walk. And he had to be helped to get back to his camp. Only this time, it was actually just a harmless scratch from a twig. Analyzing this, he says, pain is an output of the brain designed to protect you. It is not something that comes from the tissues of the body. 100% of the pain is the construction of the brain, he says. In a split second, the brain can create pain. And often it can be wrong because it depends on inputs to make an assessment. Doesn't this feel like a reality show where the ratings are doctored? Could Professor Mosley's brain have given a danger signal the first time? Yes, if maybe he had picked up certain other cues or been aware that this area is infested with that particular poisonous snake whose bite might feel like a poke from a twig but is fatal. It is also possible that his sense organs did pick up tiny cues but his brain overruled it. A forest guide can sense animals which a city dweller cannot hear or see because he has tuned his brain in a particular way that will not overrule these cues in a forest. When we spend time in the mountains, over many days we start seeing birds, insects, snakes that we miss when we are passing through. Because though pain is a production of the brain, it gets triggered by what signals it gets via the sense organs. The brain does not decide on its own. So pain does not get created solely with input data from the nociceptors, but also takes into account other data like sensory cues that we have seen and heard, the social context, knowledge, logic, beliefs are supplied by memory. The mother was feeling pity for her own plight, resentment at being helpless. She added her frustration to the input to the cerebrum as the signal passed via the brainstem. This addition of her own was via the mechanism of the hindbrain, but the decision to add was hers. It was not the brain's. This is the mind. So here we establish the relationship clearly. The brain is the executive command. The mind can decide to enter. Or like in scenario one, the mind does not enter. Her hand jerked off. That was the normal part. And then she started crying too. That, we can say, was the illness part. Heyam dukham anagatam implies let's avoid this illness part because this will lead to the next 500 pains. The entire pain reaction is only created if danger is sensed. And how intense the pain is depends on two factors. One, how great the threat is perceived to be. And two, 
how much emotion goes into it. This is the mental component. In the animal world, a weak dog puts its tail down in front of a stronger one. We can do this too. But when we don't, it means a mental component has entered the picture. A sense of, I will decide. This is called asmita in yoga. One of the five afflictions which are said to cause pain. When the mother was happy, her pain reaction had zero mental pain component. When she was stressed, there was a substantial mental component to the pain. We can see clearly that this mental component of pain is at the root of mental disorder. It has been found that if we keep triggering the neurons that produce pain, they become better at producing pain. They become more and more sensitive and they need smaller and smaller stimuli for the alarm to kick in. Dr. Frankel's patient's depression, if she could talk her way out of it, why did she get there in the first place? The use of the pain mechanism of the brain meant to protect her only from physical harm was applied psychologically. It only caused her more psychological pain. In the Yoga Sutra, Asmita is considered one of the five afflictions which cause pain and is defined as the inability to separate ourselves from our experience. We have heard of a story of two samurai who could do it. Once, two of the greatest samurai of their times met for a combat in an open field to see who was the greatest of their era. The battle to death began, with both standing still, sizing up each other, looking at each other's faces. Any sign of weakness, and the other will capitalize on it when the swords get drawn, this went on for hours. Both the very best remained absolutely still for many hours. And then one of them bowed and accepted defeat saying, you are the better one. Because the fight was just about finding out who was superior. If they could do it without a fight, why fight? They had found a beautiful way of keeping the mental disorder out 